Laughing to the bank She can keep the push I just want the brain Swerving, switching lanes Ooh, this isn't safe what a weekend in sports. Djokovic finally loses in Wimbledon. Alcaraz is the real deal. He is amazing. He ends Djokovic's reign of terror at Wimbledon. Mexico beat Panama 1-0. Santi Jimenez has his first big moment with the Selección. Is this a thing? Is this the start of things looking up for Mexico? Should we take all of this with a grain of salt? We'll touch on all of that. Also, Messi is officially a player for Inter Miami. He got announced today. He looks good with that jersey. What does that mean for the MLS? All of that on this episode of the Hearts Handle Sports Podcast. Let's get started. Djokovic's reign of terror is finally over. After going years and years of not losing at Wimbledon after over a decade since his last loss on center court, Alcaraz gets it done. Alcaraz gets it done. Djokovic is no longer the Wimbledon champion. There was there's people going on like there's those little funny comments where they're like Djokovic uh Wimbledon champion. It doesn't matter where when you read this because he was just on that type of tear. But Alcaraz gets it done this Sunday, July 16th. Moment will go down in history as probably maybe the the moment that Alcaraz took the reins from Djokovic as the best player in the world. And although he had won the U.S. Open and he had the number one ranking, it was still kind of understood that Djokovic was the best player in the world. You know, some people might still have him there. He did win the Aussie Open. He did win the French Open. He got to the final of Wimbledon. So if he wins the U.S. Open, he'll still probably be regarded as, you know, the 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 main man, the number one, the head honcho. But Alcaraz did win the U.S. Open. He's a current reigning U.S. champion. He's a reigning Wimbledon champion. And he looked good today, man. He looked good after after all those nerves that he had at Roland Garros where, you know, his fitness, it cost him his fitness. It, basically, that's the reason he wasn't able to finish Roland Garros semifinal against Djokovic is because he his his thoughts, his thoughts got him nervous. He The moment was a little too big, um, you know, playing Djokovic in the semifinal of a Grand Slam. Big, 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 big moment. But he definitely rose to the occasion today and it didn't always look like that so that made it more impressive the fact that Alcaraz got spanked 6-1 in the first set and he came back and he won like that's so impressive that's so so impressive like like the magnitude like it could have been so easy for him to be like you know it's it's not my day he's won he's won these like last four um he he has the most grand slams ever he's the goat like it could have been easy for Alcaraz to pack it in and just go through the motions after getting spanked 6-1, but he bounces back in the second, wins wins in the tie break, and then makes his own 6-1 against Djokovic to take a 2-1 set lead. And then in the fourth, Djokovic, you know, that experience, that winning mentality makes him hang in there, hang in there, breaks, breaks Alcaraz, and we're going to a fifth which is crazy. Most people would have probably thought Djokovic was going to win that with all the experience, with, you know, all these back-to-back-to-back-to-back championships that he was defending. Like, it just looked like Djokovic, it just looked like Alcaraz had taken such a big momentum, uh, like, at the end of the third. And for Djokovic to wrestle wrestle it back and win the fourth, it kind of felt like it was teetering back towards Djokovic. And the fact that 
Alcaraz was able to get an early break in the fifth and just basically play a flawless fifth. And to start the when it was 5-4 and Alcaraz was serving for the match, he, he lost the first point on drop shot. And he follows that up, love 15, with another drop shot. And he ended up winning the point. But it's just like the mentals on this on this kid is just insane. Like this man, he, he forgets about the last point so quickly. And I think that's that's one of the most impressive things about him. And there's so many impressive things about him, like his backhand, his mobility, his his uh, his demeanor, his swagger, his defense, his forehand, his offense, like his drop shots. There's so many things about him, but his mental is just insane. Like, like love fifteen, just just missed a drop shot, trying to trying to close out the the match. You have the the goat on the other side, and you just next point you just go for another drop shot. Insane, insane in that moment. Just I could not believe it. Like this guy is, like I said. He's he's not just the future, he's the present. The future is now and it's his name's Alcaraz. Like it's insane how good Alcaraz is. And I'm excited. As a tennis fan, I'm so excited to see him. Um I'm even thinking about getting US open tickets. Like I I want to go see him live. I want to go see him defend his title. Like this guy is insane and you know, he he does have some competition around his age. Like that next gen, like uh, I'm kind of over the next gen. Like I don't think Tsi Paz um Zverev uh Medvedev maybe Medvedev but all of those guys even Rublev and I love Rublev like I think those guys I think they're gonna have to wait till Djokovic um retires and maybe they'll be able to wrestle one away from Alcaraz but the main competitors for Alcaraz are probably gonna be uh, Rune and uh um Sinner Sinner for sure even though he got spanked by Djokovic but he's he's played some close matches with Carlos Alcaraz and then uh, even Musetti has shown some promise. We'll see if he can catch up to the other two. But pretty much Rune and Sinner, like those two, and Alcaraz will be the, the main guys going forward. I, I think I rank them above, like, uh, uh, definitely above Zverev and Tsitsipas. Maybe not above Medvedev because, you know, when he gets hot, he gets hot too. But this is all about Alcaraz, dude. Like, he, the kid's 20 years old. He's He's a phenom. He's... He's arrived. He's officially arrived. Like if you didn't believe it at the U.S. Open, and you got some doubts with the the way that he wasn't able to really finish Roland Garros, like this should be it. He's also the first person to win a, a tournament leading up to Wimbledon, like Queens. I think that was one of the stats rolling around. Like, oh, no player has won a tournament preceding Wimbledon, and then won Wimbledon as well. He just he's already breaking these little records that you know. You got to be like an older, more established player to be breaking these lower records as your career progresses. He's 20 years old and he's beating records. Like, it's crazy. It's insane. And he's humble and he has a swagger. Like when he scores a big point, he looks at his box and he just he just lifts his his chin up. Like, I, I find that so cool. Like, I like people that have personality and swagger and they bring some of that. Um, you know, other sports swagger into tennis. It's not just, you know, suit and tie and stuff like that. And like robotic. Like I like that. I like players to have a little bit of personality. And I Akras just has everything. He has the personality. He has the game. He has the respect for the other opponent. Like he has everything. This guy is insane. And I'm happy. I'm privileged to be able to see him. And you know, Djokovic's reign of terror at Wimbledon is over. By no means does this mean <laughs> Djokovic 
is washed or anything. Like, this guy put up a great match. He still looks really good. Maybe his serving wasn't that good today. And there were some, you know, moments where he could have played a point a little better. Also, the win didn't help. But I think Djokovic still has, like, three, four, five good more good years. So I'm, a, I'm super pumped to see this Djokovic and Alcaraz rivalry progress. And like I said, I, I would not be surprised if they meet in the U.S. Open final in just what, two months' time or, like, less than two months' time. I could definitely see that. Mexico defeat Panama 1-0 with a beautiful solo goal by Santi Jimenez. And these these are the type of moments, these are the types of, you know, progress and talent and potential that we've seen from Santi Jimenez, not just in Cruz Azul, but now in Europe. And, you know, this is the reason the Mexican fans were so upset that Tata Martino didn't take him to the World Cup. This is why we're kind of upset that Jimmy Lozano hasn't given him that starting position over a guy like Henry Martin, like Henry Martin for a number nine for a Mexican forward, like all the time. Like he's pretty mediocre. He's not the best. He's not the he's not the worst. We've had like forwards like him before, like Chuletita and stuff like that. Like he he if he's your starting nine, you know, you're definitely you could definitely do better. You could definitely do worse. Uh, he gets a lot of hate, but he does do pretty good hold up play. And he was like one or two inches away from giving Mexico the one zero lead in the first, like, what, 15 minutes of the game, 20 minutes of the game. So I do think Henry Martin is a decent forward, but I think he would be better as a sub. If you have Santi as your starter, you have, like, you know, high-level player with a lot of energy. He's pacier. He could offer more stuff. And then once you, you know, once you start sending crosses at the end and you need players, Henry Martin can go body them up and, you know, use his, use his size and stuff. But you know what? I'm not the coach. They could do whatever they want. But I could, that's the reason that the fans have been clamoring for Santi Jimenez. He showed it right there. The pace, the the finishing with the left foot, like the celebration. Like he, I feel like he loves the Mexican team too. So this is his first big moment with the Selección. So hopefully this is the start of, you know, a very successful career with the Selección for Santi Jimenez. And overall, it was a good game. Panama, hats off to Panama. Like they, they played really good like this is probably the best i've seen panama play they were playing off the back their their players were playing very physical they had their chances or they had you know they have chances like i never thought that they weren't dangerous i never thought that they weren't really like although chuan didn't really have any saves he had like two i think and they weren't like anything special like i i did always think that panama could have a little breakaway somewhere or they always looked like you know they could string a couple passes and they were like one pass away from potentially putting real threat into Ochoa's um, net. But, you know, want to give them props. Um, they're definitely growing as a, as a nation. Their, their football looks better and better as the years go by. And for Mexico, you know, we got to take this with a grain of salt. Like I said, the U.S. didn't take their first team. Canada didn't take their first team. Mexico was missing some, some players. But um, the main thing we wanted to see was Mexico play better, and they did this Gold Cup barring the the Qatar game which I did go so I'm still upset about that I just wasted my money to see zero goals by the Mexican team anyways it's okay to celebrate this this uh, gold cup you know it's it's nice seeing the Mexican players you know celebrate and have a good time like the ambiance of the team can never be you know you can never you know diminish the importance of having a good locker room and 
having players that have fun with each other and that are friends and enjoy, you know, getting called up and there's a good camaraderie to the team. So by all means, celebrate the win and it's, and it's good. But like Mexico just dropped a little video on their social media talking about like, oh, it, I don't know. The video made it seem too much. Like, like they're talking about how like, yeah, you know, we heard everything and, you know, you call this the worst generation, but this, this is like you guys still got demolished by the US 3-0. And it's still a bad summer overall. Like, although we did get the Gold Cup, like I said, it's not our fault that U.S. didn't bring their A-team and Canada didn't bring their A-team. But when they did, we got spanked. We got cooked. And it was, like, it was bad. Like, we looked terrible. So, like, winning the Gold Cup is great and it should be applauded, but it doesn't fix the problems that we've had. It doesn't erase that. Like, if the U.S. would have been there with their A-team and then we, we punked them and then we beat them in the final... That's a different story. That would feel more like, okay, we're going in the right direction. Now it still feels a little incomplete. It feels like in college when you get an incomplete. It's incomplete. You got to hold that video that they dropped where, like, you know, we're on the right steps. This is the start of something new. This, you got to wait for that next big match, whenever that is. So I think they jumped the gun a little bit on that video that they dropped where they're, like, you know, getting all sappy and sentimental and uh, we heard you and all this stuff, like, it's the gold cup it should be celebrated they did look better but there's still a lot of changes that need to be done like we, like we're done of hearing these empty promises like oh it's good there's gonna be change there's gonna be change and there's no relegation in the mexican league um they they keep appointing like all these coaches that the the you know the fans and the players don't want um the youth players don't get chances with their national team they put these crazy price tags on mexican players so that they don't go to europe like, there's a lot of things that need to be done for the fans to be happy and to really, like, if you're going to drop that video, like, there should be, like, okay, we're going to go play Libertadores. We're going to go um, play Copa um, Sudamericana. We're going to go uh, put a cap on how many foreign players they could have. We're going to bring back relegation. There's going to be more transparency with the directivos. It's not going to be just about making money. Like, we're actually going to, you know, turn Mexico into a powerhouse like we need to see all of that before before you drop that video and you're like try to get all sappy and make it seem like like everything's changed like the only thing that changed between Mexico losing getting embarrassed by the U.S. 3-0 in Vegas and right now was Jimmy Lozano being the new head coach and the players seem to really react to that but there's rumors and you know the directivo dropped that video before the final on like Friday that you know it doesn't matter what happens that Jimmy is not guaranteed or not guaranteed to keep the coaching position so it kind of looks like they're not going to keep him so you know miss me or miss us with that little sappy video like keep Jimmy Lozano or a real competent coach and make some real changes to the soccer structure in Mexico like relegation invest in the youth, let them go to Europe, um, a lot of stuff. So don't don't just take this Gold Cup victory and, you know, market it as this is the big switch that, you know, this is where we've turned. Like, nothing really turned. Like, the players played a little better under Jimmy. The competition got weaker. We took advantage of that. We still need to make significant changes. But like I said, Mexico, it's okay to celebrate. Got the Gold Cup. They look better. 
um, especially against uh, Jamaica, Jamaica. Like it's all good, celebrate it. But I think they were they they could have hold they could have held off again um, on dropping that video. It rubbed me the wrong way just a little bit. And to conclude, Messi is officially an Inter Miami player. He gets announced to the team on Sunday. He makes his introduction to the fans, and I must say. Although I am a CR7 guy, I am a Cristiano Ronaldo guy, I'm kind of pumped. I'm kind of pumped. It's it's crazy to see Messi in an MLS jersey. It's crazy to think that he's going to be playing his football in the United States, which it, it's just insane. Like to think that his European, you know, part of his career is over. It's pretty crazy. Um, excited to maybe get a chance to see him. Maybe not this season because there's not too many games on the West Coast, but Next season, it'll be nice to go see him. I'm also curious to see how much he plays. Is he going to be a part-timer? Is he going to be, you know, playing, picking um, which games he plays? Or is he going to actually, like, play the full season? I'm excited to see that. It's also nice to see him happy. It looks like he's very happy. Like, the whole presentation, he had a smile on his face. It looked like he really wants to be here. The fact that, you know, there's already videos of him just shopping like a regular person in, in Miami. That's pretty cool. Like... Soccer has grown a lot. Football has grown a lot in the U.S. But, you know, the fact still remains that there's probably a lot of people here in the U.S. that don't even know who he is, which is crazy. But I think he's going to enjoy that, you know, the simplicity, the being able to do day-to-day stuff without having the whole world recognize you. I think he's going to appreciate that. And, uh, yeah, dude, we got Messi in the MLS. The MLS is definitely marketing this, like, really good, like, they keep using the word goat and you know for a lot of people and for most people he is a goat so it makes sense but they're they're using that they're putting that on all their social medias like the goat place here and all that stuff so it's good for them it's good for the good for Messi. i think it's gonna be a good partnership like i said i mean he pretty much did everything in europe with barca and he won everything i mean he won all the local trophies with psg i mean not that that's saying a lot but he, uh, I'm pretty sure he scratched his itch to, you know, win a couple of stuff without Barcelona. Like he, and he got the World Cup. So, like I said, Messi, Messi, I think the reason he came here is because he got the World Cup. He got his titles. He's regarded as the GOAT now. Like he could, he could come chill in the United States and live a comfortable life, live in Miami, you know, go, go get groceries, go to the park, not get recognized by everybody like in Argentina or like in Spain or anywhere pretty much except in the U.S. So good for him. Good for the MLS. And, you know, hopefully I get to see him live at least once in this next couple of years. But what do you guys think? Like, you guys think he's going to be a part-timer or a full-timer? You guys think he's going to thrive in the MLS? Or you guys think it's going to be just like, I'm basically retired. I'm going to wear the jersey, you know, once every couple of weeks or, you know, I'm get injured every couple months, take a couple weeks off. How do you guys think this Mexi MLS experiment is going to go? For me, I hope I hope, you know, he plays the whole season and he he, you know, kind of like Beckham. Beckham took it pretty seriously when he came here and, and it was a great it was great to see that. So, I'm hoping more of the same for Messi, but you know, we'll see. Like I said, he basically completed football, so if he wants to come here and chill, like no one could really blame too much but that should do it for this episode of the hard to handle sports podcast my name is ismael san juan thank you so much if you made it to the end until next time have a good day
slide, no sudden moves. All my goons are stretching. And I'm taxing for the feet. All my damn